wanted to talk a little bit about those scriptures. For those of y'all who haven't been here, aren't a part of Urban Village, or aren't a part of Urban Village Wicker Park, um, this whole month we've been in a sermon series on God and gender. And what is the deal with God and gender? And what is the deal with our genders? And how do we feel about it? And what's going on there? And so we've been working through the scriptures that most liberate us and give us joy and justice in that, and also some of the ones that have been used to um, harm us or constrict us. And what I think is really interesting about the two scriptures that we just read out loud is that they're written by the same guy, (laughs) a guy named Paul, who lived a long time ago, tried real hard, was a real mixed bag (laughs) in terms of his legacy. Um, and, And I think that Paul is the same guy who can say, you're doing everything wrong in the eyes of God unless your hair is the right length and you've picked one of two genders. And Paul is the guy who can be moved by God to say, there is no such thing as male or female. What God loves about us is different and deeper and stranger than that. Um, The fact that he can say both of those things is probably what's true of most of our heads and most of our hearts at this point, right? That we have somebody living inside of us who's telling us, no, it has to be this way. You have to live this way. You have to look this way. This is what it means to express your gender. And then we have another deeper, still small voice, which is how God is often described. It says, Maybe things are freer than that. Maybe I'm bigger than that. Maybe there's more than that. And so we want to live in that tension and see where God lives in that tension. And so we want to learn from everyone we can learn from. So if you want to, we had a panel sermon last week too, folks of various gender experiences, you can listen to that. But today we're going to be hearing from Dinah, Luke, and Coco, and we are so, so grateful for your performances. Yes. Thank you. Yes. A time of joy. So our first question is, what is your drag? What does it mean to you? Tell us a little bit about your journey with drag and or gender. Uh, Absolutely. So um, I don't exactly look uh, like a whole lot of other drag queens. I don't really look like a human necessarily. Uh, I just really view drag as this like fun thing. And I with my drag really wanted to like recapture the fun that we all had at like five, six, seven years old to like play dress up. Uh, So I like to look like just some five, six, seven year old just like imagined me one day and then I appeared. Um, For me, I I think I also am in sort of the realm of not being human (laughs) as well, but in a different sense of just being a creature. Uh, And for me, drag, a lot of it was um, finding ways to express myself that were beyond gender. Um, And I, I started out as a very like butch drag king and I was like, this is very much not me. And so it's been a journey sort of figuring out, like, okay, I love colors. I love weird things on my face. I love weird hair and co- weird outfits. And so finding that, that blend for me has been an interesting journey for the past year. So, yeah. Um, I'm sort of a mixed bag, too. <laughs> like, sometimes I'll do more. Sometimes I'll, sometimes I'll do more of, like, fishy looks like tonight. Um, there are sometimes I'll do creature looks because I'm known for doing Halloween. That's my, um, that's my jam. So um, I personally, for me, it's more an expression of art and how I feel and connecting to the music as well as the performance itself. Um, so that's, because I'm a theater kid, so I came from the theater world. So, so that's where that comes from. It's like knowing your audience and knowing what you can do personally and how can you marry the two. What's your journey with God or with religion? We'll put you in a place to be at a drag worship service. Okay, so this is what I want to talk about. Okay, so... <laughs> Here's where we're going. 
she ready? Um, okay, so my mother is actually Baptist. My father is Catholic. I'm an Ichin Daishonin Buddhist. Um, and I, my journey through religion was different because my parents never forced me to be anything. They said, find your own way, do what you want, as long as you try to believe in something. That's all that we care about. Um, so for at least se for seven years, I was solitary Wiccan. So I studied Wicca, and I was um, practicing in connection with Earth and, and the gods and universe. And then I stumbled upon Buddhism around 2000, I'm sorry, 2004. So I got my Gohans on uh, June 2004, six by four. That's how I remember it. Um, and then I've been practicing Buddhism for since then. So yeah, so my, my journey has been always like just kind of self-exploration and finding what fits for me. And I think that's what sometimes we lose, especially when we're kids, because we're just, there's, it's kind of forced upon kids. The parents have it, so they're just forced on the kids. The kids never really get a chance to explore who they can be and what they want to be. So that's why I was very lucky to have parents that actually were like, you can, you can do whatever you want. Just find something. I don't care what you do, just find it. Um, yeah, I feel like, picking back off of that, I feel like for me, um, it, it definitely felt kind of forced upon me as, as a child. I, I grew up Baptist, um, and I'm still practicing, but, um, but it, something why I feel like when I was younger, I was sort of like, was like retorting things I heard, and I was like, okay, like I know to say X, Y, and Z, and that will make everyone smile kind of thing. Um, and then as I became a teenager, realizing like, okay, why am I actually... It, it started to start really evaluate, like, okay, why do I actually believe in this? Like, what, you know, what, what holds true for me? Um, and sort of be able to f come into my own understanding of, of God for myself and, like, who that means for me. Um, yeah, and so it, it's still as a young adult, so it's been a, it's still a journey exploring what that means now that I'm not... You know, I don't have someone to drive me to church. I was like, okay, like if I'm going, I have to bring myself, you know, things like that, you know. Right, you know, the thing about that is young adults, like, okay, what is it, you know, what am I, do? how am I enriching my own life and like, what does that mean for me now that I am on my own and have to be on my own spiritual journey? It's not something that my parents are leading me through. Um, it's been a really interesting experience for me. Yeah. Uh, so I grew up uh, fundamentalist, evangelical. Uh, I wasn't allowed to... Uh, I wasn't allowed to celebrate Halloween, uh, wasn't allowed to read Harry Potter, like, you know, all that sort of stuff, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, because my mom was actually the, like, chief of staff of the church, she was, like, second in command, uh, and my dad was my children's pastor for several years, so I grew up very, very churched. Uh, whenever I was 16, actually, my family was excommunicated from our church due to a, uh, long story short, political coup. Uh, and that was really whenever I first started to see for the first time, maybe church does not 100% equal God all the time. Um, somebody snap. Come on now. I grew up Pentecostal. I love some reactions. So if you want to scream something, just scream it. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and then a couple years later, whenever I uh, came out and started embracing my queer identities, uh, I started to learn even more that maybe the church does not always equal 100% equal God. So I really kind of... Um, really just uh, dropped out of church for a while. I've still always felt uh, very connected to my Christian faith, uh, but wasn't necessarily practicing in a church. And then, not to like toot y'all's horn, but I moved to Chicago, found this place, and was like, you know what? Maybe sometimes the church does actually equal God in some ways. <laughs> and so then I started seminary, and uh, here we are. Yeah. Well, and this is what I think is important, is um, 
we have, some of y'all know, we have 15 or 16 candidates for ministry coming through this church. So this church is about this church, but it's also about folks like Dinah leading a new generation of what church looks like for four little kids all over the world. I hope it looks like this. That That would be fun. Yeah, I think that would be pretty great. Um, So what kind of spiritual insight or meaning has drag brought into your life? Uh. So I grew up thinking I was uh, a bad thing. You know what I mean? I thought, oh, I'm attracted to guys. And like I got like I just thought very poorly of myself. Uh, And so as a result for, um, I guess, the rest of my life, it set this trajectory of trying to be the best at literally everything I did uh, so that I could compensate for that. Even after I was then affirming of my own queer identity, uh, I, I still wanted to make up for that, you know? So I really started drag kind of as this way to allow myself to be imperfect. Uh, I'm not a visual thinker. Drag is a very visual art form. Uh, I just, I didn't think I would be good at drag, which is why I started it. I wanted to do something where I would have permission to uh, not be 100% perfect all the time and still still be embraced. Uh, and so I would say that really connects spiritually because I, you know, I don't feel like God needs us to be 100% perfect or whatever. We're all these created beings created just fine as we are. Uh, and I like to think that drag helps me reveal my most, uh, my more true self, the self that doesn't care as much about how I'm being received. Living in imperfection and thinking that somehow it's made okay is grace, right? That like that's what grace is. Absolutely. Drag has taught me grace. Like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I feel like for me, uh, drag has taught me a lot of freedom. I, now I don't, my parents never like, restricted me in, in terms of, like, my, in terms of my identity, but they just kind of just, like, didn't bring things up. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was a lot of me uh, forgot who I am, and drag was a great way for me to to find that and to, to build my confidence a lot um, and feel sure of myself. In high school, like, one of my best friends and I, we used to make a lot of theater productions together. And then coming to Chicago, moving, I was like, oh, I don't have the same system that I have back home. And so rebuilding myself and figuring out who I am now as an adult. Um, drag has been a big part of that. And sort of, also my family, this is my drag mom, by the way. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so finding a family and, and having that sense of community um, has been really great. And so drag has been able to bring that, the sort of sense of community and, and, and sort of freedom that I had when I was younger that I felt like I kind of lost a little bit and was able to bring back and sort of that's, that's sort of the joy you, f- you find in church is sort of, has been able to bring that for me in a, you know, an everyday basis, seven, seven days a week or however many days I'm out twirling and wearing a knee brace. Um, so, yeah. I'm glad you're wearing it. Yes, yeah. I did the most uh, and did not stretch and now I'm paying for it. Um, but, but, yeah, but yeah, so there's been a lot of freedom and sort of community and sense of self. Yeah. Um. I think for me, it was about um, really exploring a part, part of myself that was, I was never free to explore. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always drawn to shiny, pretty things. So as a kid, uh, I was always like fascinated with Reluna foil, and I would make like figures out of Reluna foil, and like wrap around and make jewelry and things like that, and, yeah. and bite on it. And they were like, why are you so fascinated with Reluna foil? And they were like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do that, don't do that. <laughs> And then as, as I got older, I was like, oh, this is a pretty dress. Oh, this is a pretty lipstick. And I was like, what are you doing? Put it away. Yeah. But as older, I got like to, well, maybe I can explore it and try. So, um, <coughs> sorry. For me, I think it was, um, <coughs> it was exploring a part of myself. Yeah. 
Is there anything about drag you wish people knew that you think they don't know? Well, I think for me, I think a lot of people see things like RuPaul's Drag Race and have a very one-dimensional sense of what drag is. They think it's, it's a man in a dress doing a split and dropping to the floor um, and, you know, twirling some hair around, which is drag, and that is one form of drag, and it is great. People who do it well, I give them all my money um, when I have it. But I, I think people need to understand that drag is so much more. It's, it's an expression of gender. It's, it's a freedom of self. It's, it's a way of sharing yourself and communicating a part of yourself. And I think that's when drag is really powerful is when you see people put their heart out. Like I, there, was, there was a queen a couple months ago who did tribute to her grandmother who passed away. And it was just so moving and knowing that she was able to communicate that and like her mom was in the audience sobbing her eyes out and something like that is so powerful to see someone be able to process things in their life through drag and share that with others and have people and understand it even if they're not physically living their experience, be able to share that and understand what they're going through is something that I think is really amazing that not everyone gets all the time. Yeah, like um, for me, I'll explain. Um, so. Three years into me doing drag on a regular basis, um, we had this one show that was to benefit children that were grown up by their grandchildren, grandparents. Um, so I did a number. I did the grandmother song. Um, the grandmother song, um, it was, uh, I can't remember her name. She won a, a Grammy for it, but um, it was a tribute to my grandmother who helped raise me. Because uh, I, I was fortunate to have two, both my grandparents living until I was like 10 years old. And they, were, they, were, they raised me while my parents were at work you know, providing my parents, my grandparents, my grandparents, my mother, grandmothers rather, um, were there to help raise me. And they were very crucial to me growing up, like my Nana and my grandma. My Nana was on my dad's side, my grandma was on my mother's side. And my Nana was very fair skinned and she was very passable, as they say. Um, but she showed me so much of, about love. And my grandma, she was the one that showed me that I could do anything I could do if you put your mind to it. So having that instilled in me of be classy, show the best that you can be, and always put the best part of yourself forward and show, show it with love, I express that to my babies. I express that to everybody else. It's like, if I can do it, then you can do it too, and passing that down. Because it's, it's about passing that down and passing that lineage of respect and love. Uh, I, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think I would also say uh, one thing that I wish uh, more people knew about drag. I think that a lot of people have this conception of drag that it is, uh, it is dressing as the opposite gender, right? Like you've got drag queens, and those are men who dress up as women, and then drag kings who are like women who dress up as men. But drag is actually so much more than that. Because, for instance, if drag is just dressing up as the opposite gender, what do you do with people who are non-binary? Like, do they just got to pick one? Uh, so really, uh, drag is just the art of performing gender. You have a lot of uh, female performers uh, who perform as females. You have a lot of male performers who perform as uh, men. You have a lot of performers who perform as scribble monsters or aliens from the 70s. Like, you've got all sorts of stuff. It's just the art of taking gender and exaggerating it in whatever way feels most appropriate to you. Yeah. I think that's where, um, for us... A lot of folks asked me this week why we were doing a drag worship, right? Um, and some of them were 
not well-meaning internet trolls. And some of them were well-meaning folks who were curious, right, because they haven't heard of it before. Um, and, and I told them a couple of different things. And one of the things I said is, uh, God made everybody, including drag royalty, and so we have something to learn, right? Like, A, number one, all people have a place to teach us something because all people are created and therefore filled with something extraordinary to get to know. But there's also a deeper reason, which is that if we're going to think about gender and if we're going to think about how God made us, um, what drag does is bring a sense of play to something that for so many people is filled with stress and death and hard choices, right? That if I make this choice this way or this choice this way, right? They feel like Paul, like if I wear my hair the wrong length, the whole structure falls apart. And when we learn to live with a sense of play, for me, most often when we play is when we feel most deeply with God, right? Absolutely. When you're in that deep flow state, when you're playful, when your mind is totally at one with um, the people around you and what's going on in the moment instead of worrying about what comes next or feeling guilty about what came before, um, that is entering into the nature of God in a fundamental way. And so I thought that if we played a little bit, if we played a little bit, um, we might be liberated to know a little bit better who God is. And so I'm, I'm really grateful that you guys shared your play with us and that you shared your art with us. Because the other thing is, right, that all forms of creativity are joining with God in God's greatest act, which is creation. And I'm just so, so grateful to each of you for sharing your practice with us. And so I want to say before we, we uh, move to our next section, which is going to be communion and then a final song that's going to be a lot of fun, is there anything that's burning on your heart to say? Is there anything you want people to know? Anything you've been reflecting on? Anything that's on your mind? I do have one thing. Um, the, the one thing that I really want to get across is that, um, and I was kind of my journey was always, I've never, wanted, never thought I would be a drag queen, first off. I was a theater kid. I would, everyone would say, you should do drag, you should do drag. I was like, mm, I don't think that's for me. And then when I did, I, it was like the theater bug for me as well. I was like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> Um, so my thing is if someone is apprehensive about like, oh, I don't know if they're, if I could get to know that person because they do drag or whatnot, get to know the person yeah. and just say, hi, how did you start? Or hi, that was a cool number. What did you do to get you there? Because people will actually re really would love to hear about the process. They really want to talk about the process of getting into, oh, okay, I had this idea, blah, blah, blah. And then that can really, you can learn something about that person, learn about something, maybe about yourself too. Yeah. So. Ask questions. Talk to people. Talk to people. It's okay. <laughs> Say hello. Hello. Right. Yes. Hello. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I guess I just uh, I, I would like to say thank you all so much for coming out. Uh, yes. I I gotta say. Yes. Clap for yourselves. Yes. I, I I gotta say really I um yeah I never thought that I would be able to come to church uh, in any kind of dress that was not uh, in any kind of outfit rather that was not aligned with the gender I was assigned whenever I was born, and I certainly never thought that I would be capable to come into a church looking like all of this. So really from the bottom of my heart to you and to everybody here at this church and everybody here in attendance, everybody watching the live stream, just thank you all so much. Yeah. Yeah. Woohoo! Yeah.